What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of my podcast. Right here, we talk about football, baseball, all the time. And of course, our first topic of discussion has got to be a pretty big one, as obviously the coronavirus, the Miami Marlins have had a total of 19 people from their team test positive, 17 players, two staff. It was going to happen eventually, to be honest. Like, to see it, I'm not really surprised. It's it's kind of sad. You know, it sucks because, I mean, they can't play. But think about it. You know, if so many people have died from this virus. And it's like, well, you know, any of these players could be dying too. I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen either. It seems like everyone's doing okay, actually. But it's just a big fear. And But I, I got to be honest. I, I thought this was going to happen sooner uh, or later. And it was sooner, I guess. Uh, everyone's talking about, you know, is baseball season in jeopardy? I don't think so because it seems like they're going to be able to reschedule their games. Um, and they still have enough room for, I believe, one off day somewhere in there. So it'll be all right. If they just got to play it, maybe a doubleheader or two and just have less off days than everyone. And they will be all right. If, if that means if they recover on time, like if they recover and go back to playing by um, the first week of the first full week of August, then they'll be all right. If not, then okay. Then that's when you get a little concerned and you say, Oh, well this season isn't looking so good for the Marlins. And another big question that has been raised is, Oh, should the MLB um, choose to do, choose to do playoff seating based on winning percentage. And man, that's a tough choice because you know, obviously it hasn't been like that in a while, but for them to, to do that, then they would kind of be giving up on the Marlins playing a full season. So I don't expect that decision to really happen soon because obviously it's still up in the air on how um, the Marlins are doing and how they recover. We got to, we got to monitor this to see how it's going. Um, the Phillies who were fresh off of playing the Marlins canceled their series with the Yankees. And now it has been revealed that two Phillies have tested positive, two um, staff members, not players, and the Phillies have canceled their home series with the Blue Jays. This is what this is what happens when you play in the midst of a virus. The virus spreads. It was going to happen, and here it is. Our worst fears have been realized, um, but not entirely, because it seems like it kind of stops stops at the Phillies. You know, by stopping these teams from playing anyone else, um, good move by the Yankees to cancel their series with the Phillies, because that probably prevented the virus from traveling any further. So that that was a good move on their part. And here we go. Everyone else seems to be doing all right. No corona, no um, positive tests. You know, going on anywhere else, it's all right. But yeah, this is just a little scary. Hopefully, it all sorts itself out. We got to keep monitoring this for sure. And speaking of those Blue Jays, how about that Canada saying, we don't want you to come in here and bring this virus with you. No, no, no. Please stay away. And they're like, okay, we'll just play somewhere. Buffalo. I mean, it was a smart move. It would be really weird, to be honest, to just have two teams sharing a stadium, especially in a really short season like this. So I think it was the right move. They said that they got to make some changes to the ballpark in Buffalo. I'm not really sure what, what needs to go on. I mean, the dimensions might be a little smaller because it's a AAA park instead of an MLB park. Okay. But 
I think it was a good choice. So they're going to be sharing a stadium until then. I believe their first game is on August the 11th uh, in Buffalo for the Buffalo Blue Jays, I guess, for now. Buffalo Blue Jays. like That low-key sounds better than the Toronto Blue Jays, but good for them, I guess, to get a, getting a an alternate home. And, uh, well, here's the non-virus-related news, and it comes with the Dodgers and the Astros. It was just as exciting as I wanted it to be. Personally, big. I'm a big Dodgers fan. You know, not gonna not gonna even hide that I'm a big Dodgers fan. Of course, I'm mad that the Astros cheated, man. How could I not be? And Joe Kelly throwing at the Astros. Am I mad? No. Am I happy? Um, I'm a little ashamed to say this, but yes, I am happy. I was I was not surprised and I was not disappointed. What I am disappointed is MLB uh, suspending Joe Kelly eight games. I feel like that's a little excessive. Come on, he just threw at two guys. He missed both of them. It's fine. Really, it's like, Mr. Commissioner of Baseball, let's give the Astros immunity, but Joe Kelly comes even close to hitting one of them with the baseball eight-game suspension. Come on, dude. That's that's just weak is what it is. It's it's weak. The Astros, to be honest, they got shamed and kind of nothing else. They lost draft picks. Nobody really cares about draft picks in baseball, let's be honest. Nobody really cares. And they lost their coach. Look at that. They lost their coach, and they're still doing pretty well. So, I mean, it was it was really weak on the league to give the players immunity. And even weaker to suspend Kelly. I'm, I'm pretty happy that the players are actually kind of up in arms about it because that means that the Dodger fans are not the only ones who feel strongly about this. That means that the league is, is collectively mad and shaming the Astros for what they did, and I don't blame Kelly. And it was kind of funny seeing him make those faces walking off the mound and going back to the dugout, and, of course, benches clearing. I wanted a brawl. To be honest, I was I was hoping for a brawl for the Dodgers to get in there and just beat the Astros, but I guess that didn't happen because of social distancing. Oh, well. You can't always get what you want, right? So no brawl, but we still get the satisfaction of knowing that we threw at the Astros. That's cool. That's cool. Kelly appealed, so he's technically not suspended yet, and we'll see if the MLB lowers the suspension. They better lower it because I'm going to say it again, eight games is too much. He didn't even hit anybody. I've seen people throw at people and not get suspended or barely do anything. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what, what the league is, what they think they're doing. They think they're protecting the Astros. Not really because we can put up another – Another get another reliever that we don't really care about and have them try and plunk the Astros anyways. So you really think you're you're protecting the Astros? No. And why do they need protection? Like they cheated. Come on. Um, I'm kind of disappointed in the suspension. It was it's pretty weak to be honest. Not cool. Not cool at all. But it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, Joe Kelly, no Joe Kelly. Dodgers beat the Astros anyways after a really strong fifth inning. That included a couple of walks, a couple of free runs, but I'm sure the Dodgers will take it. And they beat him again the next day. It took 13 innings, but they got the job done anyway. So I think the Dodgers are just saying to the Astros, hey, that's fine. We'll throw at you, and we'll beat you anyways, and we'll beat you clean. That's what they're trying to tell the Astros. It was uh, it was a pretty hard-fought series, but good for the Dodgers. A um, little bit of revenge. Obviously, nothing like 
losing that World Series. It, this doesn't make up for the World Series loss, but I think it's I think it's pretty good for the Dodgers. Moving on now to what's actually been happening in the MLB in terms of wins and losses. Starting in the American League, AL East, New York Yankees, to nobody's surprise, going 3-1. and one, Been doing pretty good. Stanton has been absolutely killing it. I mean, come on, guys. It's the Yankees. They're, they're always good, but they seem especially good this year, and they have been lately. Trying to get that World Series back in New York. They started off strong for sure, followed by the Tampa Bay Rays. Followed by the Baltimore Orioles, the Blue Jays, and then the, the Red Sox at the bottom. I get that the Red Sox don't have Mookie Betts, but I got to be honest, I don't think I was really expecting them to be at the bottom. I think I was putting the Blue Jays and the Orioles there first. Um, I know it's it's the beginning of the season. They got plenty of time to shuffle around, but the Red Sox, really weak start. Not sure what's going on over there. In the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Indians have both been doing really good. Minnesota Twins in first because they are 4-1, and one, and the Indians are 4-2. and two. Those are the teams that you got to expect to be strong. Um, obviously, MLB changed their playoff format this year from 10 to 16 teams. Um, but if they would have kept it at 10, I would have expected one of the wild cards to come from right here in the AL Central, be it the Twins or the Indians, one of those, one of those teams. But both of them are really good. Followed by Both of them followed by the Detroit Tigers. Kansas City Royals, and the Chicago White Sox. Detroit actually been doing pretty all right, matching Cleveland's record of 4-2. Meanwhile, Casey and Chicago swapping that. Two wins, four losses. Not expecting them to do anything this year. The Tigers kind of surprising, but like I said earlier, a lot of time, and I'm sure it's, it's probably going to happen. The Tigers kind of shuffle down the order. AL West, everyone's least favorite team in the MLB, Houston Astros on top, 3-3. Three and three. Tied with the Oakland A's, also three and three. Followed by the Texas Rangers and the Angels and the Seattle Mariners, who have two and three and two and four and two and four respectively. This is kind of interesting, actually. Um, would have expected the Astros to do a little better than three and three. Although, yes, they did just play the Dodgers, and the Dodgers beat them both times. Obviously, uh, two World Series contenders right there. Um, but I thought Astros would have done a little better in their opening series. Oakland is doing well, trading a little bit with the Angels. Um, that's how the Angels got a couple wins there. Angels also playing the Mariners right now. Meanwhile, the Texas Rangers have been quietly, quietly in the middle with a 2-3 and three record. Now moving on to the National League, the Miami Marlins are <laughs> in first place. Yes, yes. You're going to say, whoa, 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 wait a second. Those guys were shut down because of coronavirus. Well, the standings are also based off a of winning percentage. So the Marlins are 2-1, and one, which has a percentage of uh, 0.667, which is better than the Braves of 500, who are 3-3. Three and three. They have a 0.500 winning percentage because even though the Marlins have played less games, that those two wins and that one loss is – is better than those three wins, even though the Braves and the Mets and the Nationals all have more wins than Miami. It doesn't matter. And Phillies are stuck at the bottom because they're not going to be playing anytime soon, and they're stuck at one and two, so they're going to be stuck down there for a little bit. So this is kind of funny, although not really that funny because um, the Marlins are infected. But they are still in first, tentatively, of course, um, with uh, with no virus. The Braves and the Mets and the 
Uh, Braves and Mets, not the Nationals, excuse me. Braves and Mets would be tied for first. Braves doing pretty all right. I got to be honest, those stars look like they're underperforming, especially people like Acuna and Albies. They they haven't been doing so hot. Maybe that uh, contributing to the Braves' 500 start to the year. In the NL Central, the Chicago Cubs, 4-2, Brewers, 3-3, and Cardinals, 2-3, and and the Pirates and Reds, 2-4. Cubs doing well. The Brewers, they obviously, they've been contenders recently, but they don't look like a top-tier contender to me this year. I think the Cubs will probably going to take the cake. Not exactly surprised by their start. The Cardinals, I would have expected to do a little better, especially for a team that did so well in the playoffs last year except for that series against the Braves and that last game. We don't talk about that, of course. Don't want to shame any Cardinals fans. But I, I would have expected them to do a little better. We'll see what goes on with those guys. And uh, West, Colorado Rockies in first place, 4-1 and one, above the Dodgers, who are 4-2. and two. The Padres are also sitting at 4-2. and two. Giants sitting at 3-3, three and three, and the Diamondbacks sitting at 2-4. and four. Giants just got a big win over the San Diego Padres, walking off into with a home run into the water. And putting therefore putting the Rockies in the first place. The Dodgers doing pretty good. Surprisingly split that series with the Giants. As a Dodger fan, of course, I was disappointed because the Giants are projected to be the worst team in the division, and we just split the series with them, and we call ourselves World Series contenders. That was a little embarrassing. Made up for it with a 2-0 against the Astros. Yeah, those Dodgers, they're looking all right. Seem to have recovered from the Giants. And I got to believe that the Rockies and the Padres will be fighting for that other playoff spot down the line. So with the new playoff format, it seems like every team's got a realistic chance except for the the cellar dweller in every division. But it seems like almost every team has a shot to make the playoffs, especially with 60 games instead of 162 games. So don't be surprised if some of those teams actually don't shuffle down and actually stay in the hunt. People like the Mariners last year who actually had a really hot start to the season and then really fell will probably be in contention this year. But then again, you never know because they're actually in last right now, so that kind of sucks for them. Um, all in all, not not too nothing too shocking, uh, but then, of course, it's only been about a week since the season has started. I don't know if we're in for some more surprises. Got to keep watching. This playoff race is sure to be probably the most exciting one in a long, long time, thanks to the 60 games and the new playoff format. Looking ahead to future series in the MLB, we got the White Sox taking on the Royals. Not sure which team to take there. I think I'm going to do, I'm going to take the Royals maybe, probably because I, I know there's no home field advantage anymore, but. It's just being hosting Casey that's going to give him the edge for me. The Houston Astros come out west to take on the Angels. Definitely got to take the Astros there. It's a division game, so you know they're going to be focused. Then they got to win. You know, even if it's a mediocre team like the Angels, I'm pretty sure they'll be they'll be locked in. They'll be ready to go. Definitely a big series is going to be the Red Sox taking on the Yankees. Obviously, no secret those guys hate each other. They might be on opposite ends of the standings in that division, but I, I think the Red Sox will do anything to just beat those Yankees. And likewise for the Yankees, they want to keep the top spot. They're not going to let a team like the Red Sox take them down from the top of the East. we got the Cardinals taking on the Brewers. I can see this series definitely going in a split. 
Um, obviously, these teams hate each other, but they're both pretty talented, and I think they'll split it. Mets taking on the Braves in Atlanta. Got to take the Braves in that one. Even though the Stars have been underperforming for the Braves, in my opinion, they're still the better team, and it's happening in Atlanta. Got to take them there. Indians and Twins, another big one, another big series. This one, unlike the Red Sox and the Yankees, actually has implications for the top of the AL Central. Um, I think whichever team can do better against the other one is definitely going to take the divisional crown. So it's really tough because they're both really talented, but just the fact that it's happening in Minnesota is going to give it going to give it to the Twins, in my opinion. I think they're going to definitely going to want to defend the home, the home field right there. Rays taking on Orioles. Uh, tough to say, but I think the Rays. The Rays are actually not bad. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. They got they got some pretty good talent, and I think the. I don't know if they'll sweep them, but they'll definitely win majority right there. Then we got the Dodgers taking on the Diamondbacks. Um, I'm gonna take the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm sure I'm a Dodgers fan, but uh, the Diamondbacks. Um, probably gonna finish last or second to last down there with the Giants in the NL West. I think the Dodgers are just fresh off and feeling good after beating the Astros twice. I think they're going to roll on and um, try and go beat the Diamondbacks. Uh, the third big series upcoming is the Padres and the Rockies. Um, definitely got major implications for the NL West. Tough to say. I think they might split this one. Both teams got a lot of talent. Um, the Padres have been doing pretty well, actually. Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado doing really well. So it might give a slight edge to the Padres, but I still think they're going to split it. Then we got the Pirates taking on the Cubs. Um, I'm going to take the Cubs in this one. They're leading their division. The Pirates have really done, you know, they've been pretty quiet this year. I think the Cubs are going to be moving on pretty easily. Then we got the Texas Rangers taking on the Giants. This is mm, kind of a tough pick because neither team is really slated to do anything this year. Nobody's really talented. Nobody's at the top of their division. Uh, but I think I'll take the Giants because they've actually been doing okay. So I think um, they, they've been hitting really well. I'm going to take the Giants there. And then we got the A's and the Mariners. Again, tough to say. You know, uh, the standings have really not been good to the Mariners there at the bottom of their division. But I think they're definitely going to want to rebound um, and work their way up, especially against a, a tough team in their division like the Athletics. So it could easily go to a split. And I think that's the way it'll go for sure. So, yeah, just definitely keep your eyes on the Red Sox-Yankees, Indians-Twins, and Padres-Rockies. Those are going to be some fun ones to watch. Should have some big-time playoff implications. I'm definitely going to keep be keeping my eyes on those. All right, so now we're going to move it on. Done with baseball for now. I'm going to be moving on to football, namely the NFL. Um uh, as far as where I stand on the NFL in terms of favorite teams, I gotta be, gotta be honest. Big, big Raiders fan for sure. Raider Nation all the way. So that's where I stand. Just to let everybody know. And since we talk about college ball on this show too, I'm a big USC Trojans fan. Yeah, you know, gotta go with the uh, with the good ones for sure. Trojans, if been kind of down, but hopefully we'll bounce back. I don't know. We'll see. Conference only this year from a lot of. Uh, a lot of football conferences, Pac-12, SEC, ACC, and the Big Ten, they all said conference only this year. Um, not surprised at all. I don't even know, you know, if college football is going to do a season. It's it's going to be really tough because you see what happened with the MLB. You know, we only got 30 teams. 
Um, and look at how many positive tests we got. We got um, almost 20 within the first week. And teams straight up stopped playing, obviously, like the Marlins. Look at college football. Each team could easily have 100 players on that roster. And every conference has got, let's see, the Pac-12, they got 12. Big 10 has got 10. No, Big 10 has got 14, excuse me. Big 10 has got 14. So now we got 26 teams, almost as much as the MLB. ACC, another 14. And the SEC, another 14. So now we got way more teams than MLB does. That's not even counting the Big 12, who hasn't made a decision yet. They have Big 12 has 10 teams. And, you know, I don't know. It's going to be really tough. Like, what happens if a player tests positive? You really have to shut down that whole team because in baseball, I, mean, I believe it's a little easier to social distance in baseball rather than football, especially because there's, first of all, there's just less players around, you know, like in general, in the dugout, on the field, there's just a lot of less players around. In football, you're way closer to everybody. You look at the college football sidelines. Um, we're not like not even the NFL. Just in college football, the amount of players and trainers and coaches that are on the sidelines is is insane. And football is most definitely a contact sport. Unlike baseball, it's not really a contact sport. Football, you, you got to touch the other guy uh, to to really do your job. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough. Uh, it's hard to say. I think college football will definitely try to start. Don't know if they're gonna if they'll be able to finish their year. It's it's tough to say right now. But four of the Power Five conferences have said uh, conference only football. I think it's a good choice actually. It limits the travel, but at the same time, you are still traveling and traveling far. The Big Ten is a pretty spread out conference. You got teams from stretching from Nebraska all the way to the East Coast with with Rutgers. So it's tough to say. Especially, actually, especially a team like Rutgers located in New Jersey, which such close proximity to you know New York, New York, and all of those other big East Coast cities that were hit hard by the virus earlier on. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be tough for them for sure. Um, I know they definitely want it to happen. These schools are making so much money from football. They definitely want it to happen. I just, obviously, from a business standpoint, like making money and pleasing the fans, sure, you want it to happen. But come on, let's think about player safety. These are just kids, you know, they're college students. I have, I don't know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if a whole lot of people opted out because they didn't want to risk their safety. Obviously, you have lesser lesser leagues. You got, like, the Ivy League is a big name who just straight up said, hey, no football, no fall sports. We're just going to take it easy and just do school. I'm not surprised considering the Ivy League actually doesn't really care about sports. But you can see that – not only is it not them, them not caring about sports, but that leads to more concerns for students. And perhaps they see their student athletes as students before athletes. Whereas I think in the power five conferences, I'm pretty sure they see them as athletes before students, because everybody's trying to go to the NFL. If you go to power five school, everybody's trying to either go to the NFL or just try and do good in college football versus lower divisions and lower conferences who, you know, don't get as much as, as much attention. So they don't feel as entitled to, well, hey, we got to play football. They don't feel that way. They feel more safety-oriented, and I don't blame them at all. So college football is going to be a tough one to get in. Uh, the ACC, um, their decision saying conference-only football, they actually let Notre Dame in to the conference. Notre Dame, I don't know when, I don't know if they've ever played in a conference. That's a big one. Obviously, it's only for one season, and Notre Dame's other, other sports teams, they play in the ACC anyways, but this is a pretty big deal, actually, because Notre Dame, 
you know, the thing with them not being a conference, they had so much prestige to just, oh, we can have a good season and we'll automatically be in talks for a national championship. They kind of humbling themselves now. Obviously, with no with no um, with no non conference football, what are they going to do? Obviously, they don't have a conference. Yeah, they have a little contract to play a bunch of ACC teams in a year, but they play Michigan and they play Navy and they play USC. Those are some huge games that they're going to be missing out on. So, I'm not I'm not surprised at all, and I think it's I think it's fine, a fine decision. Um, and a good idea for not only them to save football, but I think I don't know if they should join the ACC permanently. I wouldn't be disappointed if they did. Wouldn't be disappointed if they didn't. Um, but it's a good idea for now, for sure. For now. Um, as far as determining a national championship um, or a playoff field, it's going to be tough with no non-conference games. But then again, if you really think about it, other than Notre Dame. How much does the college football playoff committee really look at those non-conference games? Because they only get three or four of them a year. So most teams, obviously the powerhouse teams, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma, they're probably going to be fine. Uh, especially a, a team like Alabama who always plays in the SEC West and they got the super tough division and a super tough conference and they always manage to get out of it just fine. So they'll be all right. Um, teams like the Pac-12, like Oregon, who are trying to make a case for themselves because the Pac-12 has been missing that college football playoff a whole lot. Oregon trying to make a case for themselves to get in. Even though they lost Justin Herbert, they're still looking pretty good this year. They had two really big non-conference games. Uh, one really big one for sure, one that uh, depends on your opinion. In my opinion, it was pretty big, that being um, against North Dakota State, obviously an FCS team, but they're not just any FCS team. They're the FCS team, and they are the powerhouse FCS team. And they were going to take them on. Uh, obviously, would have been would have been a huge victory for North Dakota State had they won. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But I think Oregon could have benefited from a big win too. Obviously, anytime you play Ohio State, whether they're up or they're down, anytime you play Ohio State, it's a big deal. Um, and Ohio State is certainly up right now. Um, arguably, robbed from a college football uh, national championship spot. And, of course, they're mad, and I'm sure they would have taken it out on Oregon, and that would have been a great game to watch, but sadly we don't get it. Um, USC versus Alabama, I was – I was I don't know if I was looking forward to it. I was definitely scared about that game because Alabama scares the heck out of me. But that's a big loss uh, for both schools, and USC versus Notre Dame, always a big game because USC is doing pretty all right. So is Notre Dame, both of them. Um, probably going to lose out. But, yeah, it still doesn't really – I mean, how much do those games have – how much do those games affect the landscape of college football and the playoff? Not that much when you think about it, especially for teams like the SEC. Uh, like I said before, Alabama got kicked out of the playoff by SEC teams, Auburn and LSU. They, they won their non-conference games, so um, – yeah, I mean, you can get kicked out by your own conference. Um, Oregon, last year, Oregon, a team like Oregon, who actually got kicked out by a non-conference team like Auburn. They lost to Auburn in the first uh, first game of the year, uh, and then they lost to Arizona State. So you could argue that a team like Oregon, who is gonna definitely going to play some strong teams, like we said, probably, probably going to lose out. 
uh, more than the team that they were going to play, Ohio State. Ohio State not really losing out. They got strong teams like Minnesota, Wisconsin, and um, Nebraska even. You can consider Nebraska a pretty big, um, pretty big powerhouse. Iowa's always good. So teams in their conference, that could determine them or being or not being in the college football playoff. Um, a team like Oklahoma would be tough to say. Obviously, the Big 12 hasn't made a decision yet. But even if they do make a decision, I mean, how much would that help Oklahoma if if the Big 12 were to say, okay, yeah, we'll have non-conference football. It's not going to benefit them that much because they can't play any other Power 5 team. They just get a bunch of powder puffs. So in my opinion, the Big 12 should definitely say no because it won't benefit any of their teams, any of their good teams at least, because Oklahoma and Baylor will be stuck with playing, you know, little crappy teams from the group of five. Um, while and the the other conferences, they they'll just skip over that. So Oklahoma not being in the most powerful conference ever, um, although you could argue that they're definitely one of the more powerful teams, but Texas is like on and off. Texas doesn't know if they want to be good or bad or what. And then Baylor, who just can't seem to beat those Sooners. So Oklahoma, uh, we'll have to see if they win or lose from this decision. Um, the ACC, I would say that Clemson probably does lose because the ACC is super weak. And everyone argues uh, every year, you know, oh, does Clemson really deserve to be in the playoff? I think they sure do deserve to be in the playoff because look at how great they are. But, the, you know, they play in – you could consider the ACC to be the worst conference or the Pac-12. It's really a toss-up. Uh, obviously, the ACC has a stronger team in Clemson, stronger than any Pac-12 team for sure. Uh, but – yeah, Clemson, they play just – they beat everyone, and they beat them well. They had a little scare against North Carolina last year, but to be honest, they, they handled it, and they beat everyone else. Like, won that conference handily, especially in that championship game. They played Virginia. That wasn't even really a game. That was just Clemson. So Clemson playing against a team like Texas A&M last year, not exactly sure what their non-conference schedule was this year. They, but I think they would have benefited from playing it. The ACC in general is probably okay. The thing that Clemson does benefit from, and I think they're a little lucky, is that they they could get Notre Dame. Obviously, the schedule hasn't been announced yet, but I'm sure the ACC and college football fans in general would be dying to see Clemson and Notre Dame get together. I, for one, would be dying to see Clemson and Notre Dame, Notre Dame get together. I think it would be a great game. Um, I think Clemson would take them for sure, but you never know, obviously until you see it happen. So I think they should make that happen. And that's probably the only pro for Clemson as far as a no non-conference football. Alrighty. So staying on the subject of football, now moving over to the NFL though, from college to the NFL, uh, starting with the San Francisco 49ers, we got the running back Raheem Mostert. You restructure his contract. He is now due to make $2.5 million this year. Um, earlier, his agent was saying, oh, please trade him, Niners, because contract talks have been zero. But now it looks like he's doing pretty well. I don't blame him with staying in San Francisco. They look like still still look like a mighty fine team, um, and they're going to be ready to roll. They want to go back to the Super Bowl, and I think they can do it for sure. Um, Moster did really well in the playoffs, trouncing the Packers, you know, for 200 yards. I mean, he did really well. So why wouldn't you want to keep this guy? Um, another running back, not more running back news. 
LaShawn McCoy saying with Tampa Bay, not really sure how to feel about this. I'm not saying that it's exactly a bad move, and they didn't spend that much money on him, but it's not like LaShawn McCoy has been the best running back lately. You know, there's there's a reason why he can just sign, and he's not with a team right now. It's because he's been doing all right. He, is sure, he certainly has potential to be great, um, and it's not like the Buccaneers have um, a proven running back either. Uh, my guy, Ronald Jones. He's good, you know, but he's not the best, and I'm sure um, he's gonna fight uh, for he's gonna fight McCoy for that starting spot. Uh, so it's definitely gonna be interesting. But I gotta be honest, uh, Tampa Bay's kind of looking like the old man's club. I mean, you got Brady, you got Gronk, and now you got McCoy. It's like these dudes are veterans, and yeah, they're good, but what are they gonna fall off? You know, if they haven't already fallen off, um, I, you could say that McCoy has kind of already fallen off. So I don't know the the Bucks. Oh. Their offense, their offense looks, you know, on paper, it looks like it's going to be pretty great. Um, possibly the best offense in the division, even better than the Saints, maybe. Um, but they got to get that defense tight enough for sure. Obviously, there's going to be a lot less interceptions this season, but you didn't need me to tell you that because Winston is gone. So I'm sure, not sure that's a sigh of relief for Bucks fans. Oh, man. You know, every time uh, Brady throws the ball, we're not going to be having a heart attack to see if they're going to pick it off. So the Bucks still, I don't know. I still don't want to put them in the Super Bowl contenders tier. Um, they're definitely playoff, contender, playoff contenders, though, you know, for that wild card spot um, behind the Saints. But the Super Bowl, that's still a little bit of a reach, in my opinion. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's definitely gonna be fun to watch you know, Brady in a, uni- in a new uniform. Like that's unheard of, or was unheard of. Still is kind of foreign to me. Although I'm getting used to hearing, um, hearing it. Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Still gonna take some time. Definitely gonna be fun to watch. And um, yeah, I mean, go Bucks. Just kidding. Go Raiders, baby. I'm excited for this game. Uh, Raiders Buccaneers. It's going to be a fun one in Vegas against a team that the Raiders definitely uh, definitely blew that Super Bowl to. It's Tampa Bay, John Gruden's old team. And if that wasn't enough, it's Tom Brady who did or didn't fumble the ball, depending on who you ask. He totally fumbled the ball, by the way, in the tuck rule game to start the Patriots dynasty. So that, for me, is a must-watch game. Must-watch and you know I'm going to be all over that one for sure. I'm going to be all over the Patriots game too, Raiders-Patriots. Want to meet them too. I, I don't care if, if it's Tom Brady's not there. Bill Belichick is still there, so I want to beat him for sure. Get that guy all riled up and get him angry and then beat him up. Speaking of the Patriots, we got a bunch of people opting out of the season, like Donta Hightower, uh, among others, who just this they see this virus and they say we don't want to play, and I do not blame them at all, just like we, we were saying with college. There's a whole lot of football players out there, 55 for each team in the NFL, uh, down from, a, from you know, oh, possibly 100 in college, down from that. But it's still a lot of players, a lot of contact, a lot of breathing and touching, and a lot of stuff going on. So I definitely don't blame them for opting out. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but I've heard rumors that people are saying, oh, well, they're just opting out because Brady's not there and the virus. Really, I, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's just virus-related and not Brady-related, or else they probably would have requested a trade. 
Um, Brady, I mean, maybe on your on your wide receivers and your offense, maybe some of the offense is feeling discouraged because Brady's not there. But if I'm on defense and I just saw my star quarterback leave, I'm like, okay, it's on the other side of the ball. It's not like I had much control over that anyways. So if I'm Dante Hightower, um, I'm pretty sure he just opted out because of virus and not because of Brady. And besides, you just got Cam Newton. You know, he's way more dynamic than Brady. The guy, the guy can, oh my gosh, he can run the ball. That's something that Brady could never dream of doing. Brady doesn't run. It's just a known fact. And he does, it's not like he, he runs, he never runs, like with the ball or without the ball. He's a great quarterback, but not as dynamic as Cam Newton. It's definitely going to be exciting to watch that. You know, Cam Newton, I'm sure he's he's not going to be the same uh, character-wise or athletic-wise because he has been out, you know, and I'm not sure what, what that has done, you know, like to him personally. Maybe it's got him a little, a little more quiet and a little more hungry to do well, um, but it's going to be fun to watch for sure. I'm sure Julian Edelman is thanking God that they got themselves a quarterback that people have heard of or else without Cam Newton, I'd be like, Julian Edelman is kind of alone. You really think Jared Sidham was going to do that good? I didn't think Jared Sidham was going to do that good. The guy's really unproven. You know, yeah, sure, Cam Newton coming off of injury, but let's be honest, he's proven. He's played in the Super Bowl before. That's more than most quarterbacks in the league could say. So that's good for good for the Patriots. I was definitely not expecting the move, especially because of a guy like Bill Belichick. Belichick being the such, the such old-school coach, you know, and the hard-nosed guy. And I didn't know, I didn't think he was going to be willing to put up with uh, Newton because Newton, you know, at least his in his Carolina days, all prima donna, you know, all glitzy and glamorous. You know, the guy knows how to make an entrance and the guy knows how to show off. So I didn't know if Belichick was willing to put up with that. And maybe he's not willing to put up with that. Maybe he's going to tell Newton, all right, dude, let's just get to work. And I don't blame him for telling him that because if I'm Cam Newton, I want to get to work. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm ready to go. We're, we're getting to this season and, pandemic no pandemic if i'm kenyon i'm looking to just make up for some lost time that happened in carolina and i'm ready to roll and finally last topic of discussion we've got jamal adams going to the seahawks i mean i wasn't that i wasn't definitely not surprised that he got traded but i am surprised that it was the Seahawks, and they're they're going all in for this guy. You know, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm not exactly – I'm somewhat mad because, you know, I was hoping for Gase. If I'm a Jets fan, I was hoping for Gase to come in and change this franchise. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, Sam Darnold, yeah, he's been okay. He's been he's been okay. To put it light, to put it nicely, he's he hasn't done anything special. Um, but look at this. The Jets, they just got a whole lot of draft picks. So I'm not sure if they're, if they, you know, Jets fans, they've been waiting. They've been waiting a long time. So it looks like they're going to have to wait some more. But at least the future looks bright for sure. Um, and then Jamal Adams, he went from, oh, Jets Jets to life, Jets for life. Uh, and now he's saying, oh, well, I'm, I want to retire for the Seahawks. Okay. <laughs> okay, man. I wonder what happened, you know. Uh, it's kind of funny, but the Seahawks, they're ready to win. Unlike unlike the Jets, uh, like we said, Jets were ready to wait, just like they have been doing all this time. Seahawks are ready to win right now. 
uh, Russell Wilson, he, man, he is looking and he is going to go for that MVP this year for sure. Going to go for that MVP. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he got it. Russell Wilson is a heck of a football player. He's a heck of a quarterback, and I think he's ready for that MVP. They just their defense just got a whole lot better. You know, their offense was already great. They just need their running backs to heal, and the Seahawks are Super Bowl contenders, like officially. Jamal Adams wanting to retire there. Okay, that's fine. Um, he's man's only 24. There's a lot of career ahead of him. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if he had another change of heart. Uh, but if he doesn't, that's great news for the Seahawks. They just got to get it done then. They got to get it done before he gets old and before he rusts out. So, yep, that's it. Just thank you guys so much for listening in and talking about sports with me. Follow the podcast. We're going to get an Instagram page pretty soon right now, but not not right now, but uh, before the next episode, we'll try to have an Instagram page up. Uh, and that's where you guys can contact me. We talk more about sports on there. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Please support. Please subscribe. Uh, follow on Spotify. Follow on YouTube. I would, I would really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much.